The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, If the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Almighty God, we are indeed lost without you, but let us find ourselves so surrounded, so compelled, so consumed with your love that we are lost in a place of glory, wonder, and praise. Lord, be with us in our life. Be with us as we go about being your agents in a very confused and troubled world. Be our companion that we might find you in one another and find the call you have for each of us. Come, Lord Jesus. Be our companion in life so that we are not the instrument of our own or of another person's oppression. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Trinity Church. Pretty good. I am so happy to be back here. It's been three years, Tony told me. Three years since I've been here, and I have been really looking forward to coming here. For one thing, you have the most magnificent choir. But you're also blessed with a seminarian, Ken, with an associate, Nick, but one of the people I trust most in this diocese who is wise, loving, the most organized person I know. You are blessed with Tony. Shall we give them a big hand to How good of you to act like Christians and not Episcopalians. You know how we are, the frozen chosen. We can loosen up today, all right? All right. 
Jesus said, I have called you friends. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And you. And you. And you. And you. And even you. And you. In this part of the scripture from our Bible, we hear the word friend. And it's a word that comes to us from Greek. And it's based on one of those words that mean love. I'm sure since it wasn't that long ago we went through Monday's Thursday of Holy Week, you remember the word agape. Some call it agape. And it means the love of or the love we have with each other in Christ, a spiritual love. And there's another word for love, eros, and that's where we get erotic. But there's a third word. And it is filio. You've heard that word before. It describes the kind of brotherly love we humans have. A sense of belonging in a community with one another. It's about our common concerns. It's why Philadelphia was named Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. But in today's gospel, John's writing reminds us that filio and agape are very, very close. Brotherly love and love we find in Christ. And that's what he means in this word friendship when he's talking to his community. He's at once indicating the dynamics of what love is in the midst of community. He is indeed talking about what it is that we share in community. Philios and agape. When Jesus speaks then, we need to witness to this dynamic merging, mixing, this combination of what it is that we, the community of Christ, are for and about. It's our identity. A few years ago in Sojourner's Magazine, Bill Wiley Kellerman wrote an article, and it's called Living the Word, the Spirit's Call for Freedom. And he wrote, when Jesus names the disciples his friends, he changes the shape of things. The community is not a pyramid, but a circle. The notion of friendship surplants hierarchy with a certain mutuality and equality. Above all, he says, friendship implies freedom, not to mention delight, delight in one another's presence, that love which is joy complete. Today's gospel, which presents an image of friendship, is larger than what you and I think of. It is Jesus finding his joy complete in us. And us finding joy complete with him and others. It means being connected to our call to be the body of Christ. My call and your call as a member of the priesthood of all believers. As the letter of Hebrews calls the baptized community of Christ. The priesthood of all believers. Sometimes people are surprised when I say that 
You know, your baptism, it was your ordination. Because normally when we think of ordination, we think of those people who wear these funny collars and these nice, beautiful stoles. We think of people in the hierarchy, in the leadership of the church. But baptism is what ordains us for the ministry of Jesus Christ, no matter what order we are in, ordained or lay. Every baptism is an occasion for all of us to renew our understanding of what it means that we are called, each of us, by our baptism to a priesthood, a ministry of priesthood of proclaiming Christ to this world. That every baptism and every time we hear the gospel, we are to live into our own priesthood within the fellowship and the friendship of Christ. So, do you know that you're a priest? Did you know you're a priest? Did you know you're a priest? You're one too. Have you been baptized? You're a priest. You've been baptized? You're a priest. Have you been baptized? You're a priest. This is not an ordination of of symbols of power and authority. This ordination of our baptism is a way of reversing our understanding of what it is to be leaders. All of us are leaders. All of us are leaders in Christ. And that's what Jesus kept trying to teach those dumb disciples who never got it. But I don't think we get it much better either. He told his followers that true leadership is about learning to serve the community and not dominate it. To be active and not sit back and let somebody else do it. Not to have a hired hand, but be the hired hand. That's what your priesthood means. You're the hired hand of Jesus. You're the hired hand of Jesus. That's your leadership. Learning that Jesus calls us as brothers and sisters, as equals, to walk alongside Jesus, bringing other people to this friendship, to this priesthood, to this servanthood with God. As a baptized person, a baptized friend of Jesus, you and I are ordained to be pastors to this world, to someone who is in need of the friendship of Jesus. All of us know someone. But how hesitant we are to say, let me tell you how I know God. Let me tell you about my church. Recently, I was talking with someone in an emotional crisis, and they were going through a devastating time of loneliness. And you know what? I didn't have my collar on. They didn't know I was a bishop. I was on an airplane, and that's one time I do not wear my collar. And I just sat next to this person, and the more they heard me listen to them, notice I said heard me listen to them, the more they began to unload. But knowing that someone cared even just to listen to them brought them care. They weren't looking for me to solve their problem. They just wanted me to be present. And so you and I, as baptized, ordained people, must practice the ministry of listening and just being present sometimes. Listening is 
our, a part of our ability to pastor to others. It's how we bring Christ to another. You and I are friends of caring for one another, that we can see and listen and find and help point to God's presence, that God is discernible in our life. But sometimes it means listening to have something a bit more broad and help us to point another to see that there is a healing presence in God. As a baptized friend of Jesus, you and I are called to be an evangelist. Okay, I know that made you nervous, didn't it? And I did this, I think, last time I was here. I want everyone in here to say, I am an evangelist. Did every lip move? Did everybody say that? I don't have, I don't have to have you swear, right? You did, okay? Now, for Episcopalians, this is a, um, a, a terrible word because it, it's, it, it is tied in our mind with images of people who are narrow-minded, who use the Bible as a whipping post. They're people who sometimes fleece the flock. They're the people who make us very uncomfortable. But I'm sorry, you are an evangelist. It's not a style or a method or a theological point of view. To be an evangelist is fulfilling your baptismal promise to proclaim in word and example the good news of Jesus Christ. And I think for us Anglicans, as I said before, the best way for us is to tell stories, to tell a narrative about how we know faith and we know courage. You see, an evangelist is just a storyteller. Remember, when Jesus told stories, he made a point. He didn't beat people over the head, did he? He would tell them stories. He told them the prodigal son to make a point. He told them the good Samaritan. He didn't just yell at people. He invited them in with a story. A story that unfolds God's gracious love. You and I are called to be evangelistic storytellers. There is a new book out that... A lot of lay people are reading and keep telling me to read, and I'm almost finished with it. It's called The Shack. Have any of you read that? That is a story of an encounter with God. If you haven't read it, please read it. It sort of blows away your ideas about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. To imagine and reimagine in this story how God does come in our midst. It's a story that really tells us that God is about making friends with us and healing us and thereby healing this world. I may have also told you a story about a woman I um, met up at Trinity Church in Shirley. I just saw her again recently. She came up to me with the best evangelical speech I ever heard. She said in four sentences, Bishop, I was diagnosed with an aggressive form of cancer, and I had to face four months of chemo and radiation treatment. I have four young children, and I didn't know what I was going to do to care for them and my husband. The members of my church brought breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day for four months. I know God's love by the people in my parish, because that was God's love. And I told her she's an evangelist and she needed to share that story. 
I saw her again recently, and she's had a reoccurrence of her cancer. But she's got a smile on her face, and she says, this isn't going to let me down. I'm going forward in life with God. What a powerful story. And this time the diagnosis seems to be pretty good, that she may indeed fight it off again. But she's already fought off the cancer by her own spirit. You and I are called as baptized friends of Jesus to be a friend to the marginalized. Jesus was also um, accused of being a friend to publicans and sinners and prostitutes. Women, outcasts, foreigners, the non-circumcised. He was socially ostracized in his day for hanging out with the unwashed, the unclean, the unpleasant. And that means if we're a friend of Jesus and we're sharing Jesus' life in us, we must have a capacity to befriend the friendless. There is an ancient tradition that describes Abraham as a friend of God. It's found in, in the, book of Je- the letter of James and in Isaiah. That Abraham was designated as God's friend to become that in the world that hears God's word and follows it, an example. And it wasn't always easy for Abraham as it wasn't easy for our Lord. But being a friend of God sometimes brings us to those places of doubt and fear. But what makes us viable in those times is God's friendship with us, the possibility that God is inviting us to see something new or different, inviting us to open our lives, open our promises, to open our heart. We must, like Abraham, live life responding and following and risking and trusting God, if indeed we want him to be our friend. Jesus said, You did not choose me, but I chose you. Friendship with God is discovered in the mystery of God's providence. It takes us, if we're truly a friend, deep within our center and to the mysterious center where God is alive in us. A center where we come face to face with the holy and we come face to face with all with all our fears, all our joys, so that we can come out again and see God in all the faces of those we encounter. I have a a granddaughter who's about five years old. Her name is Sydney. She really is my step-granddaughter, but she doesn't see a difference. Whenever I go to Wisconsin, which I will do this weekend, this little blonde-haired girl doesn't see a black woman She sees her Nana, and she drags me everywhere, inviting me to meet her friends. This is my Nana. This is my Nana. She doesn't say Nana. She says Nana. This is my Nana. And as far as she's concerned, I'm her grandmother biologically. She just does not get it, you know? One day she was coloring, and I asked her, so... Sydney, do you like going to church? And she's busy. Yeah, yeah, I do. Do you like church? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why do you like it? Because it's good. Well, what's good about it? It's a good place to be. 
And so finally I said, well, why is it a good place to be? And little five-year-old Sydney stood up and looked at me with her hands like this, exasperated and impatient with me. You know how those little kids are like, you dummy. And she said, Nana, church is good because it's God's house and everybody can come in it. And she went back to her coloring. Our baptism is our ordination to be like Sydney, to enter into that holy place of fellowship and friendship with God, who breaks down all the barriers that divides us, all the things that separate us. We're friends with God, and therefore we are a holy priesthood. We are a holy priesthood. We are alive with the ministry of God in us who is seeking to befriend this world. One of my favorite canticles is number nine in our hymnal, and it goes, Surely it is God who saves me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. For the Lord is my stronghold and my, stronghold and my sure defense, and he will be my Savior. Surely it is God who calls us, who we can trust, come close to, and not be afraid. For the Lord God calls you and chooses you. He is your sure defense, and he will be your friend forever. <laughs>